How are I'm you? Good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Awesome. Great to see you here this morning. Good to be here, you're as always, always. You're always like bright and early and right on time. I love it. Well, it's not early for me, but that's all right. Oh, yeah. Where are you at? Where are you, Tamsin? I'm, in, I'm outside of Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Well, I'm on the West Coast, you know, so... <laughs> Yeah, no, y'all, y'all are in the in the early times. I'm, We're over I'm, here frying. Okay, we're all on fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen all that. Oh my God, it's been so miserable today that it's finally stopping. But oh, it's been so hard this week. Yeah, I, I just got a new dog. Uh, I ado- I did a, I got a rescue, a great Swiss Mountain dog, and she's about three years old, and she. She's, you know, I've got to do a lot of training with her and they don't do really well in the heat. So it's been really challenging with this dog to try to have her in the house and she's just panting and and drooling all over everything. Right. But it's uh, yeah. So it's really a refreshing break to know that we're not going to be so hot anymore. Hi, Cal. Good morning, everyone. Are you talking about the rain in California? Oh, it's raining in Southern California. Isn't there like a song about that or something? It is. Uh, well, it rained last night. It's very cloudy. It sounds like there's like a, a hurricane that's south of us that's bringing uh-huh. this rain. So it's very tropical, minus the tropical, because I'm not anywhere near a beach. So I got, I'm halfway there, I guess, maybe, maybe less. Yeah. <laughs> a little more humid than I'm used to. I'll say that. Is it is it raining there today? It's not it... raining at the moment, but it's supposed to. It's very cloudy outside. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess in, I guess I noticed last night the humidity was off the charts for for uh, the Southern California area. Yeah, it's very it's like very tropical humid weather outside right now. So it's hot, but cloudy. It just can't make up its mind what it's trying to do right now. <laughs> Yeah, just go out there. It's good for your skin. Exactly. It it's great. My skin will be glowing by the end of the weekend. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You'll have this little, what is it, glimmer? <laughs> yes, yes. Glistening. Glistening look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know you don't desire that. Oh, my goodness. Yes, absolutely. Good morning, Tamsin. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning, Marita. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's cloudy here in Portland as well, but not humid. It's just just beautiful. <laughs> Has it been warm up there at all, Amrita? Did you get any? Yeah, other- it's it's warm, but um, it's not humid. It's, it's nice. I mean, it's seventy seven degrees. Oh, nice. Not bad. Yeah, we we cooled down this morning as well. Um, I'm in Northern California. Kelly's in Southern California, and it's it's definitely cooled off today, but. She's got the humidity to, because she's got that hurricane going through. It's bringing all that moisture with it. Oh, man. All right. Well, we're at uh, the, the top of the hour here. So I'm going to go ahead and get us going because we have some really good content. I'm sure we'll have others join us.
So welcome everybody to the Learning to Lead Clubhouse that we meet every Saturday morning at 9.30 Pacific Standard Time. And I'm Tamara White and I'm here with Kelly White. We are your hosts. And we're also here with uh, Chuck Mouse, who's our, our wonderful moderator who brings a lot of coaching. Um, he's a coach, a professional coach. And he also is, help me here, Chuck, if I misrepresent uh, you, but an engineer as well. And so we're really happy to have him as our moderator. And um, this clubhouse was created as a forum to talk about everything leadership, the challenges, the achievements, and everything in between. In addition, this is really a great forum for you to hone your leadership skills, either by investing in yourself or investing in other leaders in the room. And we always have a great diversity of leaders of all levels and all industries that bring a broad diversity of experience and perspective, which is what we love. We want to learn from one another. We want to talk about, you know, content we're not uh, maybe as familiar with or um, even bring challenges forward where you're struggling as a leader so we can help work through those issues. So whether you're an entry level or a seasoned leader, this is the forum where we can support each other on our leadership journeys. So just a few housekeeping items is um, we just want to say welcome to those on the stage and those in the listening lounge. And uh, we encourage everyone to follow our Learning to Lead Clubhouse to clicking on the green house icon. And also really encourage you to follow other others in the room. This is a great way to grow your network of like-minded leaders and um, be able to connect with others outside of the clubhouse. I mean, if you like the content, share the room and invite others to join the discussion. I pretty much do that every week as well. It's a great way to, to draw people that are following you or really would like to engage in a leadership conversation. You can communicate with us a couple of ways, either in the chat features here by direct message or Instagram. And also we have a Substack website where we uh, post our replays and our recaps, as well as our resources that we talk about. We also do that on LinkedIn. Um, if you haven't had a chance, go over and visit our Substack website. We encourage you to subscribe and you'll get notifications regularly about um, our content and lots of other great things out there. So um, we just wrapped up our series on multipliers, how the best leaders make everyone smarter. And that was a book by Liz Wiseman. And we're really excited to launch some new content around executive presence. That's what we're going to start on next. So thanks everybody for being here on a Saturday morning. I'm turning the mic over to Kelly. Wonderful. Good morning, everyone. So as Tamara just you know, talked about, I'm really excited that we're going to start moving into a new series on executive presence. And, you know, as always, when we, when we have these conversations and, you know, whether you're here with us live, which we always appreciate you taking the time, especially out of a Saturday, or you share this and someone listens to the replay or someone's listening, you know, and reviewing some of our recap. It's one of the big themes that comes up continually as we're adding kind of what I call tools to our toolkit, right? Or call it, you know, bricks to your foundation as a leader everything adds and builds on each other. And one of the big themes that has always come up in our conversation is this idea of investing in yourself and understanding yourself first and really practicing self-awareness as such the critical step and a continuous step that you need to be doing as a leader. And so everything that we talk about as we go both through the multiplier series we went through was a lot about understanding, you know, how you show up and how your actions may be driven from triggers, but also how your actions can have a very profound effect on your team and the people around you, you know, where you might be lifting and unlocking their talent or where you might actually be disengaging them unintentionally. So similarly, as we get into executive presence, there's going to be a lot of us evaluating ourselves, how we show up, 
how we might be perceived and whether that might be holding us back potentially or really helping to accelerate our executive presence and our growth as leaders. So as I always say, when we think about practicing self-awareness, sometimes the smallest, you know, simplest uh, actions can really help us start to hone this skill. And I like to start these conversations with this idea of your word of the week. And this is really about checking in with yourself. How are things going? And starting to get into a habit and a routine of doing this. And you know, I talk about frequently that I'm a believer in journaling. I love journaling. And it's a habit that takes time to build. But it's powerful to be able to go back in and see you know, what was happening at specific points when you think about your journey through life and through your career. So even just a simple today of keeping track of your one word week over week to see how things were going. When did you, when did you find yourself in a valley where you were dealing with things that challenge? When were you at a peak, at the high point? The high points are usually the things that we talk about when we talk about our career journeys. We forget the valleys. The valleys is where we learn. The valleys is sometimes where we learn the most powerful lessons that really shape who we are as individuals and leaders. So with that, that overview and reminder for everyone, I think will be a continually relevant as we kick off this executive presence conversation. I would love to roundtable with everyone to hear how did your week go in just one word? And I'll start with Tamson. Good morning, everyone. I'm going to go with refocus as my word, um, changing some priorities with my, my job and just picking up new things, letting go of some other things. So refocus. Fantastic. I can relate with that one for sure. Chuck. Hey, um, I say, um, actually, I like what Tamison was saying, but I would say focus. I have um, an event coming up in D.C. the end of next week, and also uh, I'll be um, on site for work for an event earlier in so going on. Oh, yeah, that's great. I've been seeing your post, too, and so, again, we'll continue to check in with you, Chuck, even after your event to hear how it went, the uh, DevOps event you're at. So that's going to be fantastic. Amrita. Hi, um, my word of the week um, has been just fun only because this uh, Thursday was the celebration of 50 years of Nike and um, there were so many, uh, so many celebrities and athletes um, um, who attended that event and it was like an all day event and Drake was hosting it. So it was just cherry on top. I couldn't attend it uh, in person, but it was just something that we all were moving our meetings around as in same day and also throughout the week. So people were happy that, oh, we got to make place for this. And, you know, and I don't know, it was overall fun. I, I watched it just virtually from the comfort of my home. Uh, it was amazing. The whole week was such a nice break after a well-being week break we all had. Uh, so it was fun. That is so exciting and congratulations. And I think one of the things that you know, we talk a lot about, and it's, and it's easy to forget when we get very busy with projects, that sometimes those moments of reminding everyone that you know, you're a part of something bigger, especially when you think about a company like Nike celebrating their anniversary and, and that coming out of a wellness week, was, it's very smart that they created that space for their teams to have that, but also created these moments where everyone can really come together and celebrate you know, what it means to be a part of that company and equally the impact that the company has on the world and what, what the company does. And I think it's, a, again, a really nice when you think about 
you know, deposit into the culture, right? And the morale of teams. It's fantastic to hear that that happened. It sounds like it resonated very much um, in your in your fun word of the week, but also again, in a nice way of of reminding and and having everybody celebrate the excitement of a, a big milestone like that. Tamara. Uh, my word this week is energized. Um, I've been, uh, I, and, and part of that is just there was a lot of validation that went on this week. I am a, a professional coach and I'm working on getting my business going and um, trying to build some mastermind groups and working on workshop uh, structure and all that type of stuff. And um, one of the things that really was energizing for me this week was just really about um, a lot of people try to niche you in as a coach, try to, you know, you got to really niche down and um, just having a really good conversation with somebody that said, throw that word out. Um, because I always feel like a niche feels like a box, somebody putting me in a box and putting a lid on it. And I color outside the lines I always have and I always will. And it just was sort of like remembering that we all have an energy fingerprint, the things that that we have a purpose and a passion for that will draw others to us, that we can help others um, through uh, our authenticity, through our, um, our message, that our core message. And it, it was just a really energizing week for me to go back and, and just get back in touch with, you know, what I was, what I feel I was put on this earth to do and, and to feel, feel that passion once again. Great to hear. Yeah. And, and again, a good reminder, you know, of those moments of, of validation and, you know, paying attention when they show up. And again, as we talk a lot about, right, self-awareness is those moments of, you know, when you get that validation, really paying attention to what it is that you're learning about yourself. Because, you know, over and over again, and, I'll, and I will transition and segue slightly into to my word of the week as well, you know, we have conversations and, you know, I'm fortunate to work for a leader where, you know, it's very much a normal part of, you know, working that we have conversations about career goals or interests. It's just, you know, woven into the, the way that we all work together. And there's often a conversation around, you know, that that moment of, of reminding what it is that you really want, because it's really easy to get caught up in all the things that are going on around you, all the demands for your time and attention. And again, what we talk about frequently, all the things that you know, the world's going to tell you that you should want and the things that the world's going to tell you that you should be seeking as you think about a definition of success, which I shared recently on, on LinkedIn. And so remembering when you get those validations, those moments that, you know, give you passion, that remind you what drives you, that reminds you what your values are, that you're operating in alignment with yourself, that those are really powerful moments because it's very easy to get swept up into everything else that can take you away from that. And you want to kind of bring yourself back and ensure that the actions that you're taking, where you're focusing your time and attention is moving you towards your real goals and not going to take you to a path that, again, is really about serving external validation much more than what you're really seeking for yourself. So for my word of the week, you know, other than obviously having some of these conversations, I'm going to use kind of a more um, a, a funny word, which is I will say juggling. I could have used exhilarating and exhausting as a theme again. It's going to be a very busy month. Uh, I know that it will be. So I probably will have very similar themes going on week over week. But um, I was reminded again, I had a lot going on this week. It's very busy right now. And a lot of context switching um, and a lot of very, very diverse projects that I'm working on that required me to kind of move through a lot of different subjects, you know, uh, throughout the day. So I use juggling 
Um, but it also was a great reminder if I bring it back to our group here. And when we think about leadership, it was another reminder of, you know, what it means to be successful as a leader quite frequently comes down to your ability to scale and being able to surround yourself with multipliers, surround yourselves with really talented people and giving them the ownership and the space and the room to lead, allowing you to have the room to do the other work that you have to do as you contribute as a leader. And again, um, I looked back this week and I have a lot of projects on my plate, but I have a really strong leadership team and I was really grateful for them this week because it reminded me that we're doing amazing work and it would not be possible if they weren't there and that we weren't all operating as a team because it is not that one person can do all these things, but it's about tapping into the talent of all those individuals coming together. So fun week, busy week, again, probably similar things that will come up over the next few weeks as I know that September will be busy for me. Hey, Kel, I just want to say, hey, I love the, that you said exhausting but exhilarating. And I, if, if everybody can recall last week when we were talking about the multipliers is when you feel you're in the zone and you're fully contributing with your full potential without any interference and, you, and you're, you're investing in others around you, that's the feeling you'll get. You'll be exhausted, but you'll be exhilarated or excited you'll walk away feeling like you really accomplished something. So bravo for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's a good reminder when I, when I decide that I need to sleep a lot on a cloudy, a cloudy weekend day. Um, okay. We're going to jump into the topic today. So as we kick off this idea of executive presence, you may have heard of this term. Um, if you haven't, that's okay too, because what we really want to do today is start to define what this means. And well, I'm definitely hoping that we can have a dialogue, you know, as we as we've kind of prepped this conversation, spending time talking with Tamara and Chuck ahead of today. You know, this is really something where first I think it's important that we maybe pay attention to some of our perceptions of what executive presence means. What's already built in? What do we already think of this term? Um, what does it mean to us as individuals? What does it mean to, you know, what we've seen maybe around us as we've identified with other leaders maybe that we've respected or learned from? And as we kick off today, we're going to really have this kind of conversation around how we can start to frame what is executive presence. And in the, in the coming weeks, we will then go deep into kind of key areas that we've identified around executive presence and how you can really start to unpack this very big, broad term and really make it actionable as you think about, again, your leadership journey, your career goals, and how you want to be positioning yourself for success. So we have a lot in here that we can go through and we're going to bring forward, you know, some of the things that we've pulled out from both, you know, Forbes and Harvard Business Review on the framing executive presence. But I'm going to kick this this off with some just kind of areas to think about and then I'm going to open it to the floor and I would love to hear, you know, what is it that first comes to mind when you think about executive presence? You know, how is it positioned in your mind? Are there positive connotations or negative connotations? Do you feel like you have executive presence and what does that mean to you as you think about it but i'll start with saying executive presence is not about landing an extraordinary deal it's not only about a measure of performance but it really comes down to the measure of image and it really influences the decisions that give leaders access to opportunities and you know this idea that that has come up and, and that we share quite frequently and it will come up again is that this is really about the opportunities that come up when you're not in the room. So as we talk about advocacy and sponsors, right? So 
there's a saying that says all the important decisions about you will be made when you're not in the room. It immediately reminds me to Hamilton. I want to be in the room where it happens. The reality is that a lot of decisions when opportunities are coming up is that it's going to be others in that room that are representing or bringing your name up. So whether or not it's a decision about an important opportunity, a promotion, maybe an assignment to a high visibility project, you likely will not be in the room to speak for yourself, to advocate for yourself. These opportunities that you gain often depend on the confidence that you've inspired in the decision makers who will be in the room. And the greater and the more significant the opportunity, the more important your executive presence is. And so as you see, it all comes down to the reputation and position and how you are perceived by others. And again, this is where it goes back full circle and knowing who you are and practicing self-awareness, but then being able to understand how you are perceived by others is really important. The more that we can be intentional about this, the more that we could actually ensure success towards our goals versus feeling like we don't really understand why something is happening or maybe not happening for us in our career. And as a leader, others examine us under a microscope at all times. Executive presence is one of the most significant building blocks for new possibilities for an executive. When you practice executive presence, it allows you to shape the professional environment around you and create effective and respectful relationships. And it goes back to what we talked about frequently in this room as well, which is, you know, when you think about your presence with your team and how they're watching you, you are modeling behavior. So what does executive presence mean? How are you showing up? How are you demonstrating that? Because ultimately you're teaching your team what that means. So before I talk about the three kind of dimensions of executive presence, I do want to pause and just open to the room if there's any immediate ideas or thoughts on when, you, when I say something like executive presence, what does that mean to you? And would you think that it's important and have you found it important even to your career? I have, I have some ideas on around that. I think it is extremely important and I have noticed um, and I, I was exposed to this concept just a couple of years ago, but I've noticed that it's not just true with those who are executives, uh, sorry, executives in a company, but also in some of my friends, uh, just in casual conversations for some reason, but it was just a quality, a vibe. Um, I feel that it's more of an art and uh, where you would generally see a person having a, an executive presence guides the room without speaking much and uh, they will mostly ask questions and summarize what they understood or heard or summarize the conclusion or the action plan but i think that i mean that's what it means to me like that's a vibe or just a feeling that that you get when you are in a room with someone with an executive presence i there, there is obviously there's there's so much more to that but that's just my first uh, observation or first take on it um Thank you, Amrita. I, I completely agree. And I think you'll hear that come up again as we start talking about some of the universal themes around this. Any other thoughts on what executive presence means to you? Well, I'll just jump in a little bit. And one of the things that um, I think has been, um, well, first, I'll agree with Amrita. I think it's extremely important. Um, and, you know, I've, I've grown over the years as a leader, and I've grown, you know, in the coaching space. I think sort of the underpinnings, you know, it ma makes me think of the behavior. And I think you mentioned that earlier, um, um, Kelly, 
Um, and I think that what the coaching space has taught me is really understanding who you are, um, making sure you get into like the right space where you are in the right role, where all of your strengths can, um, can come out and, and you can be yourself and really shine through. And I think when you, you know, think about like that at the baseline or the root, um, that really helps you sort of, I think, approach what executive presence can, can mean for you. I hope that made sense. I kind of rambled a little bit there. <laughs> no, that was great. Absolutely made sense. I think, again, and, and we're seeing kind of similar themes coming up. And again, I, I think as we as we talk about everything kind of adding, adding and building on each other from a concept, I think there's going to be a lot of really interesting themes that will overlap with, you know, the multiplier concepts that we just went through. And I think that that came out very much in some of the things that you were sharing, Chuck, about, you know, kind of how you show up and what that actually means. And again, the impact it has on those around you. Yeah, and I would just kind of chime into that. I, you know, I really think that executive presence is probably somewhat amb um, ambiguous to to a lot of us. You know, we kind of have this notion, this idea of what it is, and that's why I think this is such a great topic for us to start to explore. And we're going to spend you know some time over the next couple of weeks exploring this even deeper because there's a lot of areas of ex executive presence that we'll talk about that kind of like it, it kind of crosses over into a couple different pillars around executive presence. But, um, you know, I think it's a really, really important topic to talk about because as we build on a lot of the other content we've talked about in our clubhouse about leadership styles, about, uh, like Kelly said, the values, who you are, what your values are, how aligned are you with your values? How are you showing up? How are you impacting others? And then how are you leading? Are you leading, you know, by accidentally diminishing others? Or are you actually, you know, really focusing on growing others? And it's, it's a lot of work. It's heavy lifting. But, you know, this investment you're making even today by being on Clubhouse this is an investment in you. This is an investment in everybody in this room. And this is the kind of, this is the kind of uh, topics and content that we can explore together and really learn about it and really truly understand it and then see how it applies to us. And I guess I would just kind of ask everyone to contemplate as you're listening to this and share, please share with us, you know, maybe you've seen someone and uh, maybe there's someone comes to mind that you feel like I'm Rita, you shared about, you know, somebody that commands a room comes in and just doesn't have to say a lot, but their presence is so obvious that everybody notices them. And uh, what is that? What is that commercial where they, uh, who is it? Somebody speaks and everybody sp listens or whatever. So um, I can't remember who it was. <laughs> it's too early. But nonetheless, you know, if you could think of somebody, uh, it'd be great to hear you talk about that person and share it with the group as we start to begin like i say today's more of a discussion kelly and i didn't want to get too deep into the content we're going to share some content with you today but you know think about who that maybe someone that you've seen before or even like a martin luther king or a leader that's been in in history or something that you might want to share i'd be curious to know what was it about that person that you felt really um exhibited executive presence Thank you, Tom. That's a great grounding. I'm going to move us into some, some additional items to help, you know, again, kind of facilitate some of the conversation, maybe inspire some some thinking around even the topics that or some of the concepts that, that Tamara shared as you as I go through this. Think about, you know, again, to her point, like think about what, you know, who might embody this, you know, or where you've experienced this yourself. 
or just an example that that comes up. But the, I'm going to introduce kind of the the three universal themes that come up when you when you start to kind of research this topic and you start to think about kind of what this actually means. And we'll we'll kind of you know inspire some conversation around some of the way it's been framed again through through some of the you know groups like Forbes and and Harvard. But the three universal dimensions that kind of always come up um, at the very highest level when you when you think about or consider or look into executive presence is one appearance. This is really how you look. This is physicality aspect. And we're going to dig into this. This is a this is a big one. I have strong affiliates about this. I know Chuck and I were sharing some notes too. I think he has you know strong perspective on this one too. Two communication, how you speak, or how you write. I'm going to add that in. Uh, and three, gravitas. This is how you act. This is kind of the, the, all the unspoken pieces, right? Your behavior, how you show up. When you talk about someone having a presence in the room, as I'm reading you by the example, like someone being in a room and having a presence without speaking, um, is a, that's gravitas. This is kind of, again, how you show up in a room, what energy you bring, your body language. And again, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to go into each one of these areas in depth. We're going to spend one week on appearance, one week on communication, one week on gravitas. So today is really about at a high level, again, just unpacking some of the things that we consider or think about as we start to think about executive presence. And as we kind of go into it, you know, I'll start by introducing again at a very high level, you know, how Forbes um, really defines this, that they say that executive presence is about your ability to inspire confidence in others, that you're a leader they want to follow and who is capable and reliable and has the potential for great achievements. And Harvard describes it as the quality of a leader that makes those around them feel that they are in control, confident, and willing to lead others. So very interesting. You can see how there, there's similarities between the framing between the two of these. Um, you know, similar themes, and it definitely has to do with the, both the confidence that the leader inspires, as Forbes would talk about it, you know, but also the way that people feel as Harvard talks about it. So again, how you are impacting others or inspiring others. And I would love to know, again, immediate reactions to this. Would you define it differently? Or does one of these definitions, you know, strike, you know, much more relevant to you or much more realistic to you? And and as you're thinking about this, you know, I'll share, and I've, I've shared this before, you know, this resonated with me very much when I think about the leaders that I have worked with, um, both directly and indirectly, that when I think about the, the Forbes definition really resonates with me because what I often look for in a leader when I think about who I've admired that has executive presence are the leaders that do really inspire. This idea of inspiring confidence that when they show up in the room, they bring an energy and an, um, and again, a, a confidence in what is possible. They are someone who creates space and helps teams believe in what is possible while equally also supporting them in their growth of what is what potential they have to do a great achievement. Very similar to a lot of the, the multiplier concepts. And I always say whenever I shorthand ways that I make decisions on roles and which leaders I'm going to work with, you know, often my short list very much includes, you know, do I respect this person and will I be able to learn from this person? So I think a lot of what comes out in that point around learning from this leader comes very much down to what I, what strikes me in the Forbes uh, definition of executive presence. When you think about learning both directly through teaching moments, but also how a leader 
through executive presence is teaching by demonstrating that behavior that maybe sometimes is unspoken. Any additional thoughts that kind of came out to anybody in, in hearing those definitions? Well, you know, it made me think about, um, I, I don't know if any of you could relate to this, but I can think of many times that I've been sitting in a room and I've had a CEO talking to a large group of people. And, and I love this Forbes uh, definition about uh, the confidence and inspiring confidence in others to uh, that this leader is somebody I want to follow, somebody who's able to um, give a message that, that, that generates engagement and influence over people where they get excited about hearing the message, even if it's heavy work, it's, it's heavy lifting work, or it's going to be hard or, or whatever, but that you walk out of there feeling excited and ready to, to do your part because you want to see it be successful. And that to me is truly executive, executive presence. And I'm, and, and again, Kelly, to your point, the three pillars, there's lots of things that go into somebody who can who can stand in front of an audience or stand in front of a you know an organization of people and inspire everyone to get on board, buy into the vision, and and want to contribute to the vision. That kind of is what comes to mind for me. And I, you know, like I said, CEOs kind of have to have that executive presence. But I'm I'm curious to hear about others. You know, I'll jump in real quick because you know when Kelly, you were going through the the descriptions there and the qualities of what. Um, both of those institutions sort of define, um, I, I thought of a couple things. Um, one of them was last weekend, I was watching the, um, the tribute concert for Taylor Hawkins, um, Saturday. And w the one thing that sort of, you know, you could sort of hear to cons heard a consistent theme about people who would call Taylor, they felt like they were the most important person in the world at that time. Um, that they were extreme, they were supported by him. Um, they felt better after talking to him. Um, and then, you know, it also reminded me on the business side of an article I read about how Satya Nadala came into Microsoft. And one of the things he did was he really listened to people and people came away from those conversations feeling inspired because they were heard and, and it didn't matter what level they were in. That was a part of his, his presence, right. And executive presence. And, you know, he was, listening to people. And I think it was, you know, something that was needed at the time for sure. And they hadn't experienced, but I, I just really liked how people, how in both those situations, how people felt after having those conversations. Yeah. I love that Chuck. I think you just, you know, articulated a lot of what I was even saying. It's just that yes, people walk out of the room feeling so inspired that that was a great, and I'll have to check out Taylor, Taylor Hawkins. That's a great one to check in on. Yeah, well said. Thank you for sharing that because again, I and I think it's something that we, you know, we we shared the quote in the in the last multipliers around, you know, this idea of, you know, the the Bono quote, but it was you know really the spirit of it. Kelly, I think you dropped out. You know, if you go into a room with a leader, sometimes you can walk out of the room feeling like that leader is really really smart. But how much more powerful is it to feel like you walk out of that room feeling like you are really smart in the sense that that leader makes you feel like you're the most important person, that you are heard, that you, they have your full presence and that they are really, you know, helping to celebrate what it is that, that you are sharing with them or saying 
um, as just as important as anyone else and just as important to them. And I think those are really important, you know, aspects of, of considering, you know, what executive presence is. I'll share a couple more concepts here as I, as I'll go into kind of, again, when the, the, you'll go deeper into kind of some of the ways that Forbes frames this as well as Harvard, as we kind of, you know, get to the second half of our conversation here on framing, what is this? And as you kind of think about, Again, I will open it to the floor to, to hear some reactions on, you know, things that maybe you would add to these lists and, and maybe some of the things that have already been shared, but also things that stood out to you. So if you think about, you know, again, what Forbes does, they, you know, they've really kind of, you know, started to break down a list of really seven, seven areas of, you know, what kind of builds or enhances executive presence. And again, you'll probably hear some similar themes to things that have been coming out. One, somebody who has executive presence has a vision and they're able to articulate it well. So you see how this kind of moves across all of the three universal dimensions of executive presence. And, you know, being able to communicate something as we think about the idea of inspiring leaders who kind of maybe lay out a a vision for something that seems really challenging or possible, but they can articulate it in a way that really builds confidence. And it's a very powerful tool for really setting you apart as, again, an executive presence and a leader both in your organization, but also for your team. And I think it's really important when we think about um, this idea of, you know, communication, which will come up a lot, but articulating a vision well is really important, both from being able to communicate it clearly, but also being able to appropriately manage it based on your level of seniority and who you might also be interacting with. And as we get into the communication area, this will be a very big topic because I think this is one of the key areas that I, I have seen both in my own journey and those around me that can be a, become a really big barrier for executive presence. If you are not able to articulate a vision, an idea, a, you know, even just giving an update, if you can't do that in an effective way, either verbally or in written form, it can be a very much of a detriment. So it's a really an area that requires a lot of earnest but it also is something that needs to evolve and change as your seniority grows, as your role expands, and as you scale. So I'm going to move on to the second one, which is understanding how others experience you. And again, this goes back to both us understanding ourselves, practicing self-awareness, but paying attention to how we might be perceived, how we might be, our actions might be impacting others. So we need to really gain an understanding of how others perceive us, right? We've talked a lot about gathering feedback and inputs, consult with mentors and seek feedback from people who know you, from your superiors, from your peers, from your personal board of director. Three, I already kind of hit on this a little bit, build communication skills, really understand how you're communicating and how effective your communication is in written presentation or spoken form And really understand, is it working? Is it connecting? How do you hone that? How do you practice it? It's like anything else, it's a muscle. And you have to exercise it. And you have to challenge yourself to become better and to ultimately become an excellent communicator in every medium. Four, Chuck very much hit on this, become an excellent listener. This is really, really important. And again, people will, you know, it's such an impactful area that people will respond to and notice around you you know, both asking great, great questions and exploring great ideas, but practicing being quiet and listening, holding presence and giving individuals your full attention. Five, 
cultivate your network and build political savvy. Uh, this is a very, very, very big one. And I think any of us who work at big companies could probably spend an entire conversation on this one. You really have to understand the organizational politics wherever you work. And this doesn't matter how big your company might be, but you have to really acknowledge it, pay attention, whether there are good situations or bad situations. Understand that com companies are composed of complex relationships and that sometimes there will be a diversity of opinions and competing agendas. This is really something we talked about when we talked about in past weeks, presenting and how to present with confidence, knowing your audience, knowing what is happening, that's the unspoken things that might be happening, what agendas somebody might be operating with, what their motivations may be, what their goals are, will make you far more successful when you're cultivating a network of relationships. Six, learn to operate effectively under stress. Okay, so we probably can say this feels like a no-duh moment, but again, sometimes it's naming these things that become really important that really actually focus our attention on them. How do you behave when the stakes are high? Do you get flustered? Do you get overwhelmed? Do you get impatient? Do you get upset? What are those triggers that may be happening that, that block your rational brain and block your rational responses? How do you maintain a calm and even-keeled, composed, well-prepared composure at all times? This is a really important area because ultimately it comes down to, again, inspiring confidence. And what are you teaching? What behavior are you modeling for the individuals around you? If you find yourself getting flustered and reacting or getting impatient or rushing, it's really important that, what again, what are we teaching the team around us? And the last one from Forbes is make sure your appearance isn't a distraction. So visual appearance makes a first impression. And again, there's a lot that we can say here about some of the very real barriers that exist when we talk about appearance. And there are some definite very real um, cultural challenges. And I would say in the area of diversity and inclusion have been very real barriers that we will spend time talking about in our appearance you know, topic, which is that you know, this is not about not being yourself and having to conform or erase your culture or who you are or your ethnicity. But it is about being aware of how you are showing up because sometimes, and again, I could spend, we'll spend time talking about this because I think there's different industries where different appearance means different things or will resonate in different ways. But it first comes down to paying attention to what's happening around you and paying attention to now how you are showing up. What is your appearance demonstrating? And again, being self-aware as the first step. And then that can help you also reconcile, you know, what is happening around you and what does that mean in value and alignment as well? So again, appearance is a massive one that we'll spend a lot of time talking about. There's a lot of, of, of inputs there. But again, starts with first paying attention to what your appearance is and understanding the, co the company culture that you're within. And are those working together? Are they in alignment or is it becoming a distraction? And what does that mean? And what decisions do you need to make or what actions do you need to take as a result of that? So I'll pause. I shared a lot of information. And then I'll share... Harvard has about four, but I would love to break here and here again, immediate reactions. Are there things missing from this list? Are there things that stood out to you? Do you disagree with some of these? Um, or did some immediately, again, just really resonate as you thought about the framing of executive presence? You know, one of the things that, you know, I think again, kind of threaded through all these these different topics you talked about was really the EQ piece 
the emotional intelligence, um, social intelligence. Um, it, it's a really important part of, of what we do whenever, you know, whether we're articulating a vision or we're responding in a meeting or whatever. And I, I just wanted to say, too, that as I think about EQ and I think about all these different uh, categories that Forbes lays out is I think to your point, listening is such, it's probably one of the most powerful tools that leaders can have, especially, you know, if you want to really heighten and and move yourself up to another level. Uh, staying in a state of, uh, a space of curiosity is so important and really listening because we, as, as, as leaders, I don't know how y'all feel or even what you've experienced, but it's very easy to want to advise or to jump in and 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 ask a, ask a, not ask a question so much as jump in and maybe start to guide people in one direction or the other, which is something we talked about over the past few weeks. But that's a really important part of it. And listening is part of communication and 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 how you you know how you dress or how you walk into a room is another part of communication. You know, there's body language, there's eye contact, there's all of those things, and you can kind of start to see how you know they cross over and they weave together and whatnot. Um, and I would say on the uh, the appearance piece, you know, Kelly, you and I have talked a little bit about this, but again, based upon your company culture, but if you are, say, um, let's just say you're a director and you want to become a VP, you know, we've been, you know, Kelly and I were talking a lot about, you know, you have to start to, or what's really going to help you to be successful is to really look at what are VPs doing? How are they, you know, communicating? How are they networking? How are they you know, getting visibility out there. How are they, what's their appearance like? And to actually take yourself to that level, if that's where you want to go, put yourself at that level now, you know, in your current job, which will help you to start to come across at that level, which would, which is, uh, you know, an interesting concept when you think about it, it sort of challenges us to think a little bit broader in terms of how we apply it to ourselves or to even our teams or others that we're trying to mentor into executive presence as well. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and well said, you know, Tamara, because yes, we do talk a lot about that. There's a, you know, saying that we've always talked about both, I think, and the idea of, of these three vectors of uh, or dimensions of executive presence is you know, if there's a level that you're aspiring to get to, be it the next step up or multiple steps, is thinking about um, operating at that level, both in the type of work that you do, but also as you start to think about what is the executive presence that is required at that level. And again, this goes back to what we'll talk about frequently and, and one of the challenges that we'll raise to you at the close of this, this, um, this discussion today is start really paying attention to it. Start paying attention to the individuals around you at different levels in your organization. You know, what, how do they communicate? How do they carry themselves? What is their gravitas, right? What is their appearance? What is their communication like? And start to really hone in when you're in different settings and different environments. But before we get into that closing, I'm going to really introduce very quickly the way that now Harvard Business Review framed this. Just again, you'll see probably some similar themes here, but it's again, all the inputs as we start to frame what are the ways that we can really think about executive presence? And like many things, there isn't just one answer. And like Tamara said before, it is a very broad and ambiguous term quite frequently. So these are all inputs that can help us shape the definition and what it means 
both collectively as we talk about it, but ultimately start to hone that definition for ourselves. So it can start to become something we can action against and continue to evolve and grow. So Harvard has about four areas in framing, thinking about really building uh, executive presence. And it first starts with um, projecting positive body language. So again, we, this is probably not new for any of us, but again, we start to name these things. It can help us better understand uh, and again, practice that self-awareness on how we are showing up. So how are you sitting in a room? Do you slouch? Are you hunched over? Do you have your hand resting on your, your, you know, your chin resting on your hand? What does it say into the room? You know, what does it look like? What is your body language communicating? Or are you sitting up? Is your chin lifted? Are you sitting up and leaning in? Are you engaged in the room? Or are you sitting back lounging in a chair? Again, all these things really send a message. And we probably all looked at, you know, the, the unconscious body language, you know, messages that come out. But this is one more area that we just have to really start to hone in and pay attention to. And yes, there's days where we just get tired or maybe we're getting frustrated. But the more that we can start to practice that self-awareness of when we're doing something, even with our body, that might be sending a message that we can then course correct or adjust as needed. Number two is delegate and hold accountability properly. So this is a really big one. And this goes back to some of the things we've talked about earlier in the conversation, you know, building trust and rapport with your team, clearly articulating the expectations and well-defined goals, being an effective listener, really huge theme that will continue to go on. Refrain from jumping to conclusions. This means we have to pause and we have to be open as Tamar just said, approach situations with curiosity and with the, the seeking to understand and learn versus solve, jump in and course correct. Establishing executive presence is really starts by asking empowering questions, which helps us become effective listeners, right? What is the objective or the problem? What is the biggest hurdle we need to address? Why is this important to you or others? When we talk about the politics that exist within companies, and as you work with your team, I think this is one of the most empower, you know, powerful questions you can ask someone. Why is this important? Why is this important to you? Why is this important to others? Why is it important to our company? Because it's really easy to get very focused on one small area and get really attached to something that we cannot see beyond it. And then other questions. What are the choices that we have moving forward? And how do we execute? So again, listening but also holding our teams accountable and delegating and empowering them is another area that we can really start talking about, you know, what executive presence really means. Number three, ensure emotional connectedness. This goes back to a little bit of what Tamara was hitting on, right? Emotional intelligence, connection. It's one of the most important qualities that a successful leader can demonstrate. Recognize and control your feelings. Recognize and influence the feelings of others around you. Be authentic and honest with others, respecting each other's situations, right? We know that, we've talked about this before, and we cannot control others around us. We cannot control the way that they feel, the way that they might be reacting, the way they might be interpreting or perceiving a situation. But we can create the space to have open and honest conversations, respecting each other's feelings, acknowledging each other's feelings, and controlling how we are showing up in those situations and how we are reacting in those situations as well. And the last one that Harvard talks about with executive presence is asking for advice and coaching to get better. So again, 
this is one of the, the hardest areas, I would say, probably for everyone as we think about individuals, because what it ultimately requires is an immense amount of vulnerability. And it really requires us to all set our ego aside and ask for feedback and welcome that feedback again with a, with a perception of learning, of curiosity, no matter how challenging that feedback may be. And, you know, I, I started reading a book in, in preparation for a lot of the series that were kicking off. And I talked to Tamara about this. One of the stories in the book was about a woman who had met with her leader and was talking about, you know, wanting to grow and, and, and be promoted and was asking for feedback about how she was doing. And her leader gave her some very open and, and, and honest feedback and told her that she lacked executive presence. And, you know, in the story, of course, she says that she was incredibly upset and frustrated and angry about this feedback because she didn't want to hear that. And most of us don't want to hear negative feedback. We want to ask for feedback and then just be, you know, positive affirmations and reinforcement that we're just amazing at everything, right? That's, that's human nature. But when we ask for and seek honest feedback, what it does is challenge us to step back and really look at ourselves and understand if that feedback is valid. Is it true? And if it is, what are we gonna do about it? And in this woman's story, she processed all of her feelings of frustration and anger, but she ended up getting an executive coach. And that coach helped her understand the truth behind that comment, but gave her a really powerful action plan that allowed her to actually develop the executive presence that was holding her back. So again, this is a really hard area. And I acknowledge that it's not easy for me to seek feedback. And it can be a very, again, a very uncomfortable situation when you're preparing yourself to, to receive potentially negative feedback, that someone's not happy with something you're doing, or there's an area that you can improve, but that's the only way that we learn. And that ultimately is such a powerful moment for us to really hone and grow and develop our executive presence. So I shared a lot there. And as we're kind of coming to the end, I would love to, again, open it to the floor and to the room. You know, are there, again, there are things that stood out to you? Are there areas that resonated when you think about what Harvard introduced for body language and, and delegation and accountability and, you know, EQ and emotional connectedness or this idea of asking for advice. And again, are there things that you would add to this list or are there things that maybe resonated or stood out to you? Okay, well, I'm going to jump in because I, I think I've said this a number of times in this group is that, um, if you think about an equation and keep this, like write it down, put it on a, a sticky note on your, on your computer. Remember this, because I think it's really important, especially when you're trying to gain executive presence and hone in on how you're coming across is that performance equals potential minus interference. And so what does that mean? What it means is that interference is, uh, is any kind of stress. Um, sometimes we're under a lot of demands at work or, Maybe we're distracted with something that was going on at home, or uh, maybe we are feeling frustrated about another coworker that we're working with or another leader that's, that's you know, upsetting us. And, and so whenever we have that interference, our potential drops and therefore our, it, it impacts our performance. And I, if you just kind of keep that concept in mind, it helps to really raise your awareness to start to think about it. And when, when I, I'm going to add another layer to this, which is stay in tune with your thoughts and your emotions. And I have to tell my own self this as well all the time. It's like, why am I thinking what I'm thinking, especially when I get frustrated or maybe I'm starting to 
get frustrated when I'm working with other leaders or I'm working with, with, uh, with somebody that is, uh, is maybe challenging in a situation is why am I thinking what I'm thinking and why am I feeling like I'm feeling? Because oftentimes that can even be a reflection of something in us that we're, that we're projecting onto somebody else or we can, or maybe we've we've shut down and we're not as open-minded as we need to be in the situation, and we're and we've fallen out of that space of curiosity. Um, and then um, I want to just identify too that you know you guys are all here today on a Saturday morning, and investing in yourself is huge. If you if you continue to invest in yourself, this is where you begin to grow. And so I, I just want to point out that I really acknowledge that you're all here and that you're going to continue to learn about this, but kind of do that on a regular basis. You know, I, you know, I try to read something, listen to something, a a book or a podcast or something of that nature, go in and listen to other clubhouses as well. That's where you're going to continue to grow. So invest in yourself consistently. And then I think there's a lot of power around the um, asking empowering questions, learn how to start asking the right questions you know, what is, what is, how, where, when, you know, why, and trying to open up uh, the potential within other people to really find the answers versus giving the answers. It, it can be an incredibly powerful tool. I know Chuck and I use that a lot as coaches to really help our clients to begin to discover the answers within themselves versus giving them the answers or advising them of the answers. So those are just a few things that came to mind. I want to open it up to others. I think I have a suggestion. It will be great if (laughs) Kelly, Tamara, you guys start a podcast. It will be amazing. I mean, I, that's just an idea. I always wondered. That's a great, <laughs> Kelly, here we are. <laughs> thank you, Amrita. Yes, we, we talk about that frequently. So thank you for, for saying that. Number one, it's a, it's a huge compliment. Um, but thank it's something you. that we, we've, we've definitely talked about frequently of, of the, the possibility of doing that um, and are planning, you know, what that would look like and how we bring that to life. But thank you. Totally appreciate that. Yeah, I would also add that we're looking at and we're, we're in the planning phases right now of potentially doing a workshop in January. So maybe more to come there. But um, Amrita, thank you so much. That was su- such a great compliment. I, I think for us, what matters most and the reason why we started this clubhouse is just wanting to help help leaders. You know, we, we talk about this content, this type of content all the time. And we just thought if we if we enjoy this conversation this much, others must as well. So it's really uh, it's it's really a great validation for you to to share that with uh, with us. Okay, before I get ready to close us, uh, what other thoughts, Chuck? Anything from you? I think other than yeah, um, there, there's a lot when we talk about executive presence, right? And I remember earlier this week in that in that side conversation my mind initially drew a blank and then I went off to do a task and I was like, Oh, like a light bulb went off. And, you know, and, and, and I think you, you both really touched on um, and continue to elaborate on some of these different definitions, especially uh, one thing that resonated with me is uh, the positive body language. Right. And just thinking about the reality of the situation of when you're a leader, eyes are on you or they're listening to you, they're watching you in, in some way, shape or form. And so, 
there's a lot to unpack. And I think, you know, this is going to be a terrific um, conversation going forward. Um, I know I've struggled with it a little bit. And I think there's some good opportunities for us to share those experiences and how we work through them. Uh, yeah, Chuck, I appreciate you sharing that. And I and I think that's the one thing I would say to leaders is that none of us are going to be perfect. And even in our big conversation we had around multipliers was that, you know, it that the idea here is not to become perfect and an expert in, in all areas. Even if you just hone one strength, your effectiveness as a leader goes up exponentially. Um, so it's about just continual improvement. It's just becoming more aware it's, it's uh, you know, striving to be, be the best leader that you can and show up the way that you want to. But certainly know that, you know, we're all going to trip at times. We're all going to, you know, not, not, you know, be at our best at all times or every given day. And that's okay because we are human. But as long as we're continuing to invest in ourselves, we'll only continue to, to become a, a better leader for those around us. So, um, so with that, I'm going to go ahead and get ready to close out. So just kind of like a, a last minute thought here is that executive presence, you know, as we know, is highly intuitive and it's really, really difficult to pin down as we've described here today. It's a little vague and ambiguous. Not all of us really know exactly how to define executive presence. So um, I'm glad everybody's really intrigued and interested because we're really going to delve into this and really talk about it. So start to contemplate that over the next week. And it, it really ultimately boils down to our ability to project mature self-confidence, you know, a sense that we ha uh, can take control of difficult, unpredictable situations, that we can make tough decisions in a timely way, way and we can really hold our own uh, with other talented and, and strong-willed members of our teams around us. Um, and so, um, like I say, kind of begin, begin to pay attention to others around you this week. You know, your CEOs, your, your C-suite execs, um, your, your teams, uh, your, your peers around you, and see what you see. Start to pay attention to maybe where your blind spots are. And um, really encourage, you know, vulnerability is a strength in a leader to be able to come and talk about it and know that others are going to learn from each other. We're going to learn from each other and hearing somebody else struggle will help somebody else in the room or somebody listening on Substack at a later time. So we really encourage you guys to come be vulnerable. Let's engage in some really great conversations. And so on that note, I'm going to close this out with our quote for the week. And this is from Tom Henschel. And it's executive presence is credibility that goes beyond a title. So with that, everyone, thank you once again for being here on a Saturday morning and investing in yourself. And we'll see you back next week, Saturday morning at 930 Pacific Standard Time. Have a great weekend. Thank you, everyone. Have a great weekend. Have thank a great you. weekend, everyone. Have a great thank weekend. You. Bye. Bye. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs>